and welcome back to The Wild Side. Today, we will be discussing the importance of wildlife photography to conservation. Wildlife photography is extremely important to conservation. It helps us connect with animals we've never seen before. As humans, we have a hard time understanding what we can't see. And for animals, the fact is most of us will not see very many. I mean, we see some birds near us. We might even see the occasional fox, coyote, deer. But most of us never get to experience these truly magnificent animals outside of the zoo and maybe one or two encounters on a remote highway. And that's if we're lucky. Wildlife photography helps us bridge this gap. Without these photos of wildlife, we would have a hard time understanding these animals. I mean, you can read as many papers as you want on the ecological significance of gray wolves, but having that photo which truly shows their playfulness or their stoicness or some emotion in them would be the best way to inspire people to take action and help support the conservation of this animal. They're also important in documenting the stories of rare and elusive animals in remote places. One place which exemplifies this is the far north of Canada. From the freezing and barren Arctic tundra, to the massive swaths of boreal forest, to the alpine tundra found in British Columbia, it's very inaccessible and next to no one lives there. Most of the wildlife in this area will be greatly affected by climate change and are right now classified as threatened or endangered. Most of us have heard of the polar bear, how it will be affected by rising sea levels and rising temperatures. But most of us don't really think of the effect climate change will have on caribou or, or the bird life of the Arctic. These animals simply don't get as much attention. Today, we're going to talk to a photographer who is trying to bring attention to these animals. His name is Leron Gertzman, and he's an award-winning photographer based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. He has some of the best photos I've ever seen of almost any Canadian animal you can think of. They're super creative and give a unique perspective, which I don't think anybody else has. Now let's move on to the interview. So for anyone uh, listening, we're now going into our interview with Leron Gertzman. He's an amazing photographer from British Columbia. He's photographed all sorts of species. You want to say hi and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name's Leron. Uh, as Quinn said, I'm here in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm a nature photographer, and my main focus is on birds, but I really do spend a lot of time photographing and watching all sorts of wildlife and landscapes in nature. Yeah, you have you ever won any photo contests? Because I know you've been published in Canadian Geographic, right? Yes, I, uh, I've been fortunate to, to find some success in some of those contests, uh, Canadian Geographic being one of them. Uh, as well as the Audubon Photo Awards, which is a uh, bird-specific competition, and uh, the Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition. I, I, a few years ago, had an image that was highly commended, which was very exciting because it actually gets your photos into museums all around the world, including the Natural History Museum in London, England. So that was an exciting time. When did you start wildlife photography? Good question. Well, I've been doing it a while. I, I started taking my very first photos ever at the age of five or six, which sounds a little bit crazy, but um, I've grown up here in Vancouver. We have a lot of beautiful green spaces and parks in the area. And my parents would take me out to a lot of these parks. You know, we'd so see the local ducks, we'd go for a walk around. And my parents had this little point and shoot camera. And I uh, would just love using it. So I would beg them to let me borrow it, to take little snapshots of the birds at the age of five or six. Um, and the various early photos that I have from this day to like still to this date is when I was just turning six. Um, so so I've been at it for a while, most of my life now that I'm uh, I'm 21. And was there like a point where you really started to get into it more like got like a real like a real camera, a 
of settings? Yeah, so I saved up kind of in any way I could doing little bits of work or I would tell people if you're going to give me a gift for my birthday, just put it towards the camera fund. And uh, it was around when I was 11 or 12 when I purchased my first so-called proper camera, my first DSLR. Um, and, uh, and things have just kept going on since there. Uh, can you just tell me a little bit about your experience with like the mounting goats? I've seen them on your website and just, they just look super incredible and the images were very creative. Yeah, so one of my favorite mammals I can say now for sure is the mountain goat. Um, but it's kind of a bizarre choice. A lot of people, their favorite animals like a lion or, or something exciting. A mountain goat is a little more unique. And um, it's a mammal that is actually doesn't have a huge range. It doesn't have a huge native range, um, but a lot of the world's mountain goats are here in the province of British Columbia, in the Rocky Mountains and beyond. Um, and certainly one of the highlights of my wildlife photography career, so to speak, um, to this date has been just camping out and finding mountain goats in a really remote area and finding, uh, you know, when you have, you don't get these photography opportunities all that often where you just have reliable wildlife around you because wildlife and reliable can rarely be used in the same sentence but in this specific case these goats were just always around um, and it was almost it's pushing it a little bit but it, I almost like to say I joined the herd for a few days just camping out there always having them around can hear them walking around at night in my tent and as my time as a like an experience with wildlife photography has gone on I've really started to more appreciate the value of kind of quality over quantity. And that doesn't mean not taking thousands of photos, since I'm certainly guilty of taking thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of photos of the same thing. What I mean more, what I more mean in that area is like when I'm on a photography trip, it's very tempting to just like go to a new location every single day and try to see as much as possible. But what I did with these mountain goats is I just spent like four full days, 24 seven with them, photographing them, um, which is obviously not something that's always possible. Uh, you know, there's some animals that might be too sensitive and you could have a negative impact. There's some animals that are just too elusive. But in this rare case, it was possible. And by spending kind of a long period of time in the vicinity of wildlife and in the vicinity of a good photo opportunity, it's really a great way, I think, to push your creativity because you get to just have time to think. And there's no cell reception. There's no distractions. You're just there. You're thinking you have all your focus is on photography. And what I did with those mountain goats is I just tried to get as creative as possible, um, just experimenting with compositions, with lenses, with light in every way I could think of. And uh, it was that was certainly one of those defining, I think, trips and moments in wildlife photography for me. Yeah, it was interesting because I saw like all your mountain goat images and they were, at least um, from what I've seen, they seem to be some of your most like compositionally creative images, like all like the sunbursts. Uh, but you don't really hear about that because most people who are going into the Rockies or like all, all these areas looking for elk and moose and bison or bears. I, I've never seen somebody say they focus on mountain goats for more than like a couple hours. Yeah. And I think I'm sometimes kind of drawn to those. I mean, I think even just as a bird photographer, like there's a lot of bird photographers. Don't get me wrong. But it's like as far as like the public interest it more often tends to be in those big charismatic animals. There's some exceptions in birds, like eagles are very popular, owls are very popular. But uh, I also think like when it comes to telling conservation stories and stories with photography, it's often important to highlight things that people don't think about as much, like a mountain goat. 
And, um, and when it comes to telling the stories, I always find it really important to create images that are unique um, and thinking outside of the box, doing things that aren't that normal, that break the rules. Uh, you get a lower portion of shots that are successful in the end, but you're, you get a chance of getting one or two shots that are really special and are more likely to resonate with people and have an impact. Yeah, the, the, those resonated with me. And <laughs> my friend who's also, he does a lot of some like wildlife and nature and he, he thought those were the best images that he's ever seen really of any animals. Wow, thank you. <laughs> and you said that the Haynes Triangle is really special to you. What makes it so special? Yeah, so my favorite place in the world that I've ever been to um, is this place called the Haynes Triangle, which is in the far northwestern corner of British Columbia. So there's no roads that act that go into the Haynes Triangle from British Columbia. You either have to drive in through the Yukon Territory, or if you can get into like Southeast Alaska, which is usually by ferry, you can drive in from Southeast Alaska. So it's a really remote area. There's obviously no cell service, no gas stations, no restaurants, no, none of that, no electricity, none of that stuff. Um, but there is absolutely spectacular scenery and wildlife. And what makes the, in my opinion, one of the things that makes that place so special is that despite being located quite far from the Arctic, quite a bit further south than the Arctic, the geography of that area makes it so that it is a very much an Arctic-like ecosystem with a lot of tundra, uh, so it looks similar to the Arctic, and the birds and wildlife that are found there are also very similar to the Arctic. But because it's further south uh, than, than the Arctic, it uh, is vulnerable to things like climate change, as is the Arctic, of course, but um, it's changed a lot in, the re in recent decades um, with, due to climate change, causing reduced snowpack, which increases the length of the growing season, which allows plants to grow. Um, so when I, when I have a favorite place, it's of course about the birds and the beauty and the wildlife, but also about you know, the storytelling potential in that area. Um, and I think there's a lot of storytelling potential in that area, but also just some of the coolest birds there are and coolest animals there are can be found there. Uh, and it's the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Uh, apart from social media, do you think there's any other ways uh, photographers can use their images to help conservation, like raise awareness? Absolutely. I mean, social media is often the like catalyst for it. Like, as in, if you, in, it feels like in this world, if you want anyone to see or know about anything, it happens through social media, um, certainly for younger audiences. Um, but there's always, it's always worth keeping an eye out for calls for photos in your local newspaper, even submitting, like, like if you've captured something cool and you think it's related to conservation, you know, there, a lot of times people will be interested in seeing that. So you can email that to your local newspaper. You know, sometimes it's important that photographers make a living. So if it's something that's more like a really cool photo that is less related to conservation, um, you know, sometimes that's where working for a living and selling photography comes in. But if there's a, a conservation story that's um, important, um, people are often interested in photos of it, especially if it's something that's in the media. Um, and, it, uh, and, you know, sharing photos in the media to the newspaper, uh, to the radio, to television um, is, is nice. Sharing, but even if you don't have social media and you don't like to, like, give photos to uh, the, the, you know, the media media, just taking photos and sharing them among your friends and your family is important. And encouraging your friends and family to take photos and share those photos is important because when you take photos, you start to really think about and appreciate what it is that you're photographing.
So apart from Canada and the U.S., like the animals we have here, where are some places you want to travel to to photograph animals? A lot of places are spectacular. There's a lot of places I want to go to. Um, one place that I probably want to go to the most is Antarctica. It's pretty much as far as you can get. Um, but I think there's some phenomenal birds and wildlife there. Obviously, these polar regions are at the face of climate change um, issues. Um, and it's a beautiful place from what I've seen. So I think if I could pick one place to go, it would be Antarctica. And second to that would be the Arctic, which we have here in Canada. I mean, it's a very vast place and I certainly have not seen most of it. So I would say number one, Antarctica, number two, the Arctic. But certainly, you know, African wildlife would be incredible. Asian wildlife, South American wildlife, Australian wildlife, everywhere in the world uh, has so much to offer. So I certainly want to travel some more in the future. Yeah. I think it's really hard because everywhere is cool wildlife. Uh, de definitely um, number one place I want to go to is like Botswana for like the elephants and wild dogs. What's an animal you would really like to photograph but you haven't had the opportunity to yet? This is a really tough one um, and I don't know how to answer it because of course I want to photograph like a polar bear or a tiger or a lion, like who doesn't want to photograph those animals? But part of me is also like, well, those are some of the most photographed animals in the world. <laughs> you know, everyone goes to photograph polar bears and lions and tigers, but I absolutely would love to get the chance to photograph them. But I would say probably like, I, 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 I like to think that like, you know, as someone living here, I, I, it makes sense for me to focus on things found in this part of the world for like really intense missions where I'm like targeting something specific. And there's some birds that are pretty rare, um, you know, in, in this part of the world that are affected by things like land loss, like habitat destruction and climate change. Um, so some of those rare birds, one that comes to mind is like the Smith's longspur species that uh, could be affected by climate change. Some of those really niche things that most people have never heard of. Um, but yeah, there's so many things, but I, I would say probably some rare birds that, uh, that are affected by conservation issues. I would just like to extend my thanks to Leron Gertzman for taking the time to discuss wildlife photography with me. He is some of the best photos I've ever seen, and I would strongly recommend checking him out on Instagram at Leron Gertzman Photography. He's some of the most creative photos I've seen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and consider following me on Instagram and TikTok at Quinness Photos to see more of my work. Thanks for listening. Bye.